Welcome to Ominous Ones. I'm Tara. And I'm not Tara. We're a true crime podcast that covers missing people, murders, and all things ominous. If you like what you hear, make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. This story starts October 18th, 2004, when Timothy Pitson was born in Aurora, Illinois. He was the only kid from his parents, Amy and James Pitson. The couple was said to have some problems in their marriage, and some sources say that Amy had some mental health issues, including depression. Who doesn't? Big facts. They seemed to have a normal life until May 11th, 2011. That day, six-year-old Tim was taken to kindergarten by his dad. When James went back to the school to pick him up, Tim was gone, and they said Amy had already picked him up for a family emergency, one that James didn't know anything about. That would scare me to death. I think it would scare anybody. Because not only is your kid missing and you're not sure where your wife is, there could also be a family emergency. So none of it's good. Well, and if she didn't tell you? True. So to back it up, around 8.10 a.m., I don't know when he was dropped off, but at 8.10, Amy showed up at the school and said there was a family emergency and she needed to pick Tim up. Then around 10 a.m., Amy and Tim showed up at a mechanic shop where they left the car while an employee there took the two to a zoo while they waited for the car to get finished. Who does that? I have no idea. What year was this? 2011. In 2011? Yeah. And you go to a mechanic shop, and the mechanic's like, I'll take you and your kid to the zoo. While we wait for your car. Maybe Tim was just one of those loud kids that they didn't want to have to hear. So they were like, you know what? Why don't you go to the zoo? She had to have known the people there. Because the only way that I feel like that would happen, regardless of how loud your kid is, especially in 2011, like, you had to have known some people that worked there. I mean, when I was getting this all together, that didn't seem strange to me. But I guess it is kind of odd to be like, hey, can you give me a ride? Maybe they were doing a lot of work on the car, and she was like, I just don't want to sit here all day, though. Like, some dealerships will give you a loaner car or whatever, but only if you're under warranty. I had to get a ride back to work once when my work ditched me at a dealership. Yeah, but they're not taking you to the zoo. I know, (laughs) but it's really awkward even with me working at a mechanic shop and then being at a different dealership. And my boss was like, I'm not going to send anyone to come get you. And I was like... Hey, can anyone give me a ride back? Like, I'm just (laughs) sitting here. I I don't know what to do. But yeah, I guess it is strange to go to the zoo as a customer to be like, hey, can I get a ride? And they're like, okay, yeah, let's go to the zoo. That sounds like a fun family trip for me and my mechanic friend. Yeah, maybe they were besties. So around three, after their zoo expedition, they came back, got the car, and then went to the Key Lime Cove Resort in Gurney, Illinois. They got a room there that night. The next day, May 12th, they moved on to Wisconsin to stay at the Kalahari Resort. And then on May 13th, the security cameras picked them up, checking out around 10 a.m. And this entire time, Dad thinks they're missing. Yeah, he has no idea where they are. The school's like, there was a family emergency. That's all we have. He's like calling around, looking. Everyone's like, there is no emergency. I'd kill her. The same day, the 13th, between 12 p.m. and 1.30 p.m., Amy called a few family members and said her and Tim were fine and, quote, not in any danger, unquote. 
in the background of at least one of the calls, someone heard Tim say he was hungry and she let someone talk to him for a minute, but he seemed fine. He wasn't like, oh, I'm withering away. He was just like, oh, mom, I'm hungry. She didn't seem to answer any questions. I'm sure they all had, like, where could you possibly be? But she was just like, oh, like, we're safe. Here's Tim. He's alive. Okay, bye. By that point, James, her husband, had been calling around and looking for them since they just went MIA two days before. And like I was saying, he knew at that point the family emergency wasn't real. And this gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh my God, how could somebody do that? And even though Amy had called some family members, she never called James. At 7.25 p.m. the night of the 13th, Amy was seen on cameras in Winnebago, Illinois, by herself at a family dollar. At the store, she bought envelopes, paper, and a pen. Then at 8 p.m., she was seen on cameras at a Sullivan's food store, also in Winnebago. Then at 11.15 p.m., Amy was in Rockford, Illinois, checking into the Rockford Inn by herself. At 12.30 p.m. on May 14th, 43-year-old Amy was found by a maid at the end. At the end. At the inn. I can't talk. At some point that night or morning, she had taken an overdose of antihistamines and slit her wrist. Jesus. She had left a note behind. In the note, she said she was sorry for the mess she had made and said, quote, Tim would never be found, but was safe with people who would care for him, unquote. In the room, they found the knife she had used on herself, and they said the only blood on it was hers. But after her car was searched, they found a, quote, concerning amount of Tim's blood. After some family was questioned, someone said Tim had a really bad nosebleed a few weeks before, and they believed the blood was from that. Her car was found by a highway and possibly a stream, but it's reported differently. The inside and out was dirty, but I'm like, they did travel over 500 miles, so it wasn't going to be clean. Especially with a six-year-old. Yeah. A few days after she was found, two letters showed up, one to Amy's mom and one to her friend. In the letters, Amy said, quote, she was sorry, but that she did not feel like she ever belonged in the world. And she felt for a long time that she belonged with Tim, but in the end, that wasn't even enough, and she needed to go, unquote. Her sister, Kara, was told Amy had died by suicide. After the shock of that, she said, quote, what do you mean Tim's not there? How could he not be? Where is he? Unquote. Three months. To put this in perspective, like, that's the same year Mason was born. That was not that long ago. It's really not. This is insanity. I can't... Could you imagine if I went to the school to pick up the boys? They were like, oh, their dad picked him up for a family emergency. No. And then wasn't answering his phone? Wasn't home? No. How ballistic I would go? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Full months, chaos. Basically. Three months after Amy was found, the cops found out that she had a secret email account. They got 34 emails from the secret account and said most were spam, but they, it did seem like there were some deleted ones that they were never able to get access to. So in three days, the mother and son drove around 500 miles, and he was last seen May 13th at 10 a.m. checking out of the resort in Wisconsin. According to the cops, they said the last place they knew the two were together was on May 13th, five miles away from Sterling, Illinois. They found that the iPass in Amy's 2004 expedition was scanned twice, going to the Dixon Rocks, Rock Falls Sterling area. 
the first on February 18th, 2011, and the next on March 20th, 2011, so about two months before Tim went missing, and speculated that Amy was going there to meet with the family she would eventually give Tim to, but obviously nobody's sure that that's why she was there. Or scoping out where she was going to leave his body. Maybe. Is he found? No. But I love it when you ruin the ending. <laughs> with her mental health issues, Kara has said maybe Amy knew that if she divorced James, she wouldn't be able to get custody of Tim. Kara later found, followed the route that the two had taken and stopped everywhere that they thought the two had been. They found the phone calls to the family that said they weren't in any danger were made between Sterling, Illinois and Mount Carroll. After that, they think Amy threw her phone by a grain storage container in Mount Carroll where it would be found two years later in 2013. There wasn't anything relevant found on it though. Kara said she thinks the calls Amy made to the family before she died were made so that she could say goodbye to them. Kara said that when she followed the route, she could start to make sense of what Amy was doing. In Dubuque, I can't say that, in Iowa someplace, was on the route, and it was somewhere the family had visited a lot. She said, quote, We spent a lot of time on Route 20 back and forth when we were young, visiting our grandparents and an aunt and an uncle. Amy actually lived with my grandparents for a period of time in the 90s. She met people in Iowa. I believe whatever happened was a connection she had made there, unquote. Kara's theory is that Amy gave Tim to a family in Iowa and the two had spent their last few days together going to the zoo and water park resorts so that he could have fun. So if you're, I think she killed him personally, but... I don't. I think she left him with a family. And that was her two trips to Iowa to like be like, oh, this is when we're doing it and this is what we're doing. But what, like, somebody that's related to her or, like, an unrelated family? No idea. But either but way, I'm alive. Like, how... There's technology. Nobody's just suddenly has a child. The dad wants the kid. And they're, yeah. like, enrolling him in school and stuff. And they're like, how did you guys get this six-year-old? I think that's absolutely possible. Where did it come from? It's so easy to get fake documents. That's absolutely a possibility. But you're, I mean, yeah, it is easy to get fake documents, but your family wouldn't be questioning, like, how you all of a sudden have a six-year-old and you never had a child before? Hey, but if we adopted him, you just wouldn't mention that it wasn't through an agency. You got it from some lady. You'd just be like, like, yeah, we adopted him. I guess, and if she was there two months prior, then you would have, like, Oh, yeah, we're going to adopt this boy. Have fake adoption papers. She signed stuff over. They changed his name. Done. I guess so. That's so wild. Oh, my God. I'd kill somebody. In 2014, a woman in Rockton, Illinois, called the cops and said she thought she saw Tim at a garage sale she was having, but they were never able to find the boy to see if it was really him. James and the family have said they think Tim is alive somewhere, and James said, quote, I think he's going to find me before I find him, unquote. And they've made age progression pictures of Tim that are still circulating around. In April of 2019, people in Newport, Kentucky called 911 about a teenager who was running over a bridge that went over the Ohio River and then seemed to just be wandering around lost. The cops tracked him down, and he told them he was... Tim Pitson, and he had gotten away from two kidnappers. The FBI in Louisville said that he wasn't the real Tim the next day on Twitter. 
The teenager was actually 23-year-old Brian Reaney. He had some mental illnesses and had been in jail for vandalism and burglary and was released a few weeks before calls started to come in about him. Jesus. And that's the story of still missing Timothy Pitson. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.